Welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode Reviews, the podcast that doesn't want to turn off all the lights on the universe just yet. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team. Apollo, a.k.a. Robo Apollo. Hi, everyone. Scott, the illustrious Dr. Pants. Hello, everyone. And Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hey, how you doing? Let's talk Transformers. Ah. <laughs> as always we start that <laughs> i figured jeremy deserved a turn <laughs> oh yeah as always we start off the show by thanking our donatrions those lovely people who support us on patreon and paypal thank you all so much for continuing to help us out and support the show if you'd like to become a Donatron, just go to transmissionspodcast.com slash support. That's where you can sign up, either on Patreon or PayPal. Uh, yeah, all those folks get per- get some perks, get some uh, some bonuses, and, you know, they help us keep, keep the lights on, keep the show going. So, uh, you know, we're over 500 episodes, over 300 episodes alt mode, and still going. So thanks, everyone, for your support. Uh, coming next week, we've got the uncut version of Empire of Rust episode 44. The Custabot is always right. And this is exclusive to our Donatron. So if you are signed up to uh, become a Donatron, you can get access to that a week early before the regular Empire of Rust episode drops uh, on the main feed. So this is our Transformers live play RPG podcast. Uh, the first and only Transformers live play RPG podcast out there. Uh, for a little while longer, we hope. And uh, everyone check that out. Uh, and as always, uh, you if you are a Donatron, you get access to this early episode. You get a lot of bonus content, stuff that's cut out and edited out of the regular episode. So you get to listen early, too. So enjoy. And this will be out on Labor Day, Monday, September 5th. So uh, we also had uh, this week we uh, had the our special interview with FJ DeSanto and Mike Avila, who uh, and Mike Avila wrote the uh, the um, make the art and making of the War for Cybertron trilogy on Netflix. So uh, you can check out uh, our interview with Mike and his work on putting the book together. And of course, FJ DeSanto was the showrunner and producer of the show. So he chatted with us too, and uh, told us all about the making of this art book. Uh, and it's really cool. We got a chance to, to see in advance a digital copy and the copies will be out October 11th. So stay tuned for that, but uh, listen to our interview right now should already be available to you. Came out yesterday. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. FJ's a great guy, and I, I think he, he I don't want to brag, but he personally asked for us to, you know, yeah. to get an interview oh. spot, so, you know. <laughs> well, you got, did you interview Did you interview him every time a piece of the trilogy came out? I know, yeah. yes. oh, okay. I know you did one for Siege and Earthrise. I wasn't sure if there was a Kingdom interview, too, or not. Yeah. There is, yep. All right, well, there we go. I must have missed that one, but. Yeah, and apparently we didn't piss him off, except for Mike, so. <laughs> <laughs> What did Mike do? He didn't oh. like the show. Oh. <laughs> so. I mean, he wasn't even he wasn't even super critical. He was right. he was mildly critical. <laughs> yeah. It's all in good fun. But Oh, okay. This was I I had asked for like a review copy of this months ago and 
apparently, like I'd forgotten about it. And then when they were doing the interviews, FJ was like, hey, you need to get these guys too. So I very much appreciate That's him awesome. reminding them or getting us like kind of in front of their eyes. Yeah. Awesome. Making connections. Yeah. Industry connections. So yep. and if, you're, if you're a fan of the, the behind the scenes art books and stuff, this has so many really cool art pieces and just the description of like why things were done the way they were done. It's great. Hmm. Yeah, it was really cool. So check that out. That is, that should be available already. So all both on our YouTube channel and uh, in our podcast feed. So enjoy. All right. With our uh, new alt mode review format, uh, we're just going to do a comic review this, this week. So, you know, this will, this will be, uh, should be relatively uh, quicker episode, but, uh, Enjoy our review of Last Spot Standing number four. All right. Last Spot Standing issue number four, written by Nick Roche, art by EJ Sue and Nick Roche, colors by Rebecca Nalty and Brittany Peer, letters and design by Joanna Natalie, assistant editor Riley Farmer, editor David Marriott. We've got five covers to take a look at for this week. So cover A is Rodimus on Fire, and that's by Nick Roche with colors by Josh Burcham. Cover B is Rodimus Between Life and Death, and that's by Kazama and colors by Josh Burcham. Cover C is Rodimus in his cloak looking badass, and that's uh, by Saren Stone. And cover D is a Steel Jaw making a Wolverine impression versus Rodimus. And that is by Ocho Pante. And then the retailer and retailer incentive cover is uh, the old West painting of all the characters. And that's by EJ Sue. So these are all pretty strong covers. Uh, So I'm going to start with you, Apollo, which of these covers are you liking the best here? Well, it was really hard for me to pick between a few of them. Um, you know, I think they're all lovely tributes to this um, last mini series in um, the IDW line. But to me, the, the one that I ended up picking was cover A, Nick Roche's cover. Um, I just remembered in the last um, run of the IDW 1.0 comics with The Lost Light, one of the covers he did was Rodimus walking away um and there's like his back was to you and like there was a shadow of the ship and like there's just like scattered items and it kind of seemed like you know it was kind of a depressing cover in a way that that (laughs) one from lost light and just the way that series kind of that ended um to me this one is like with rodimus just walking you know there's so much contrast in the background he's on fire like he's ready to take on the world like i feel like it's like you know transformers is never ending like you know it reminds me of a little bit like the olympic torch too you know how you're like passing it on so i might i'm probably reading too much into this but um it it kind of ends things i think on a good note like with this artwork with this cover like to me at least yeah 
Yeah, that, that's I, I'd forgotten about that lost light cover. That that is an interesting parallel. Uh, you know, it feels like mm-hmm. uh, you know one is walking away and this is walking towards you. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. All right, Doctor Pants, uh, which cover are you picking? So I said before we started this, like, oh, it was easy. But I do want to say all these covers are really, really good. Um, cover C looks fantastic. Not my pick, but I love the shading on it. And cover D, that gives me like that. Remin- it, I feel like it. It's a great homage to like old school Transformers covers, like the original Marvel run or something. It's got that kind of style to it, and I dig it. But I'm with Apollo on this one. Cover A is just so well done, and I love the contrast in it. I love that everything's dark except the flames on him. And then the idea that the light is coming from a star in the sky, it just goes along with everything they've been talking about through the series about the stars like going out over time and, you know, wanting to keep them, keep them on and bright. And Rodimus is a star. He is the star. Oh, Rodimus stars like from Lost Light. Oh, it goes along together. Oh, we're making connections. (laughs) But, but seriously, like that, it's a, it's a beautiful cover. And this is this is a cover I would like as a print, like just that image to hang up. It's just mm-hmm. so well done. I love it. Nice. All right, uh, Jeremy, which cover are you picking? Uh, I don't really want to have to pick. These are <laughs> these are all really good. Um, they're just dynamic. Uh, great seeing Saren Stone, you know, back at the end, um, you know, with a good cover. Like I don't know, they're they're all really good, but I'll probably just go along with um, cover A. I think there's a lot going on here, but it's also the simplicity of it. It's very like I don't know that there's not that much to it outside of Rodimus and you know the star and the ground. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's really. Uh, really simple but effective and uh, I really like how you can also see the light coming off of Rodimus's flames they've really kind of shown that uh, with the coloring but um, there there is no bad cover this week but this is probably the favorite my favorite and the one I may get all right uh so yeah I've <laughs> I, I definitely agree with all you guys about cover A. That is a really nice cover, but I'm I'm not going to go with the majority here. Um, I do want to shout out for, before I do reveal my pick. I do want to shout out cover B by uh, Kazama and, and Josh Burcham because I really like the contrast here. How you know you've got kind of life and death, light and dark here. Uh, you know, it, it, and both you know, like both the lines that Kazama did, and then the colors that Josh Burcham added makes it really, you know, just really stand out piece of artwork here, and um, not not quite as hopeful as a uh, as uh, cover A here, <laughs> maybe a little <laughs> bit more depressing, uh, but uh, but just a really cool image. But the cover I'm actually picking is the Retailer Incentive by EJ Sue. Um, I just really, I mean, this, the whole series has been, has had this kind of old West theme and I just like this image as a, as an encapsulation of everything that happened in the issue and all the characters. 
and uh, you know the the contrast of of Rodimus uh, as you know and also in his his car mode and then you've got you know Shib on her horseback above him or you know alien thingy back <laughs> whatever they're called <laughs> uh but uh yeah i just and all you've got all the decepticons and everything there too as well so and and the you know some of the danoctian citizens there uh and jib's brothers too so and the energon you know the energon key so it's it, i i just like how it, it the whole com- composite of that image so uh, and the font of the um the, the the lettering the title looks really cool too like it was burned in yeah or branded. i like that this yeah. would yeah. also be a nice print yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, they could all be nice prints. Yes. <laughs> I would not have honestly picked cover B to be an uh, K-Zama. It just does not look like that style, but it's it's really well done. And I, I love K's style, but just with it's so, so nice. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think all these artists are really like they as they you know throughout their career they they up their game and change their style around a little bit too like Saren Stone's uh, artwork here is not uh, you know is is not the same as her previous style and and is still really a really nice image really detailed yeah uh, and she does uh, or they do their all their own colors too so yeah. wow uh, that's a it's a really cool image yeah, I think it was it was Jeremy that said there were all the covers were good this week. Like they yeah. were all yeah. so good. Like so, yeah. you know, artists, you did a really good job this week, <laughs> and I hope that you're proud of your work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not sure what was the artist for cover D. Um, uh, Ocho Pante. I have Pente. no idea. Yeah, <laughs> not I, familiar I've never with heard their of work. Them, but nope. I mean, the the lines and everything in this one is also really good. So. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's like a a Wolverine. Um, I, I don't know if this is like an homage to a Wolverine cover or not, but it's it's got the feel of like an like an eighties nineties comic yeah. cover, like somewhere in that area. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're they're all good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the story. Steeljaw holds the data tablet he found in Shib's house and plays the message Rodimus left for the people of Donacht and specifically Shib's ancestors. Rodimus's message tells them that their planet is rich in energon just below the surface, but the network of deposits is all connected and unstable. If any of it is disrupted in the wrong way, it could cause a chain reaction that would destroy their world. Rodimus cautions the Donatians not to dig up or disturb the Energon, but he knows eventually their civilization will develop to the point that they will start wanting to refine it for energy. Rodimus thought they were the last Cybertronians alive, but they prepared for the possibility that they weren't. And if not, they left three Energon keys for them to use in the future and wake up Rodimus and his crew if they were needed. At the end of the message, Steeljaw angrily crushes the tablet in his fingers. He's enraged that Rodimus would consign his own species to oblivion while sitting on a planet full of energon that could have been their salvation. Steeljaw lays all the billions of organic lives they destroyed and consumed for fuel at Rodimus's feet because he hid this energon away. Rodimus doesn't take the bait. He counters that Steeljaw would have just destroyed this planet for its energon, consumed it all, and the results would have been the same. Steeljaw's sister Sharpclaw looks to the future. They could now use this planet's energon and start over again. Rodimus tells her that would only cause more destruction. 
But Sharpclaw wants to find hope. She thinks maybe with the use of the three Energon keys that they wouldn't need to consume the organic life on the planet. But Steeljaw corrects her. Two Energon keys. Rodimus, always use, Rodimus already used the third, and he also killed all the bots back at their base camp. The Energon key completely restored all his systems to full functionality. Rodimus smiles craftily at Steeljaw's other troops and tells them those keys would do the same for them too. The other bots look longingly at the two Energon vials in Steeljaw's hands and rush him. The bots push and shove, trying to take the Energon keys for themselves, whipped up into a frenzy. Steeljaw tries to keep the Energon keys out of reach, but the bot's sudden swarm pushes him off balance. He drops one of the keys and it shatters, with its bright blue liquid spilling onto the ground. Now there's only one left. The bots scream in despair at seeing the Energon spill into the dirt. They all drop to the ground, trying to collect just a milliliter of the precious Energon fluid. Rodimus uses the distraction to tell Shib to help him get free the other Donatian citizens who had been put in cages by the Cybertronians. As they go help the other people, Sharpclaw turns to Steeljaw to get the last Energon key. In her mania, she drops Shib's brothers and ignores them, focusing on getting the Energon key and trying to get her brother Steeljaw to share. Steeljaw sees Rodimus freeing the people and tries to get his bots to pay attention, but they are still entranced by wanting to get the last Energon key. Rather than stop the fleeing Donatians, they again turn on Steeljaw to get the last key. Steeljaw is tackled by Sharpclaw, but he's still playing keep away. But Rodimus kicks Steeljaw's hand, flinging the Energon key into the air, and Shib catches it. Shib gets on one of her horses and rides away. She tells her brothers to split up so everyone won't be captured together as Steeljaw and the other bots try to follow. But Rodimus has another diversion up his sleeve. He grabs two of the Donatian steam ramblers that we now know are powered by unstable Energon, flings them at the pursuing bots, and blasts them with his flame arm cannons. The shockwave of the explosion knocks Rodimus offline temporarily, and he remembers when he first came to Donat. Two Decepticons had discovered the planet's Energon resources and planned to use it for themselves and any Decepticons still out in the universe. But Rodimus found them first and executed them with extreme prejudice. Meanwhile, Shib makes it to an Energon mine in the nearby hills, but her horse runs off, getting spooked because Steeljaw and Sharpclaw are in pursuit close behind. Shib runs into the mine to hide. Steeljaw, Steeljaw and Sharpclaw follow and are in awe of the amount of raw Energon here for the taking. Sharpclaw hesitates because they still need to convert their bodies back to be able to process Energon, and it will be a long, intensive process. Steeljaw is confident that they can do it, especially with the last Energon key. As they look around, Steeljaw sees Shib climbing a wall, trying to hide. He blasts the wall, and Shib drops to the ground, still alive. But Steeljaw's blast causes the mountain to tremor. Steeljaw realizes that Rodimus was right, or Sharpclaw realizes that Rodimus was right, and the Energon was unstable. Back at the town, Rodimus wakes up, and there is smoke all around him. He sees a line of smoke rising from the mine in the mountain, and realizes Shib is in trouble. But before he can go help her, he's attacked by Unstoppamus. The other bots have used the last of their energy to merge into a patchwork combiner. But even combined, Unstoppamus is too slow on energy to be a real threat to Rodimus. He blasts one arm, then rips the combiner head off, and the bots separate and collapse into a heap of parts. But before he can finish them off, Rodimus realizes helping Shib is more important, and he drives off toward the mountain. In the mine, Sharpclaw grabs Shib, and the Energon key, and Shib 
In the mine, Sharpclaw grabs Shib in the Energon key and pleads with her brother that they need to work together and share the Energon together uh, to move forward and start their new future. But Steeljaw refuses. So Sharpclaw tells him he'll have to take it from her. We don't see them fight, though, because Rodimus comes to the mine looking for Shib, but in the darkness he subs- he's surprised by Sharpclaw, who slashes him in the throat. Steeljaw joins in and kicks and beats Rodimus more as he struggles. Finally, Steeljaw impales Rodimus with his fist and flings his broken body into the raw Energon pit. Steeljaw doesn't understand why Rodimus is laughing at him, even as Steeljaw is killing him. And Shib explains, Rodimus already destroyed their processing equipment, so they can't process any organic beings for energy anymore. Sharpclaw collapses in despair at hearing this, letting Shib go. Enraged, Steeljaw spits on Rodimus' body and tells him he'll still have revenge, even if that's all that's left. Steeljaw is going to blast the Energon and destroy this planet, killing them and everyone else. But even Sharpclaw tells her brother to stop. Now that they realize this is truly the end, they don't have to force the Danoctians to share their fate. But Steeljaw would rather ensure this planet dies than admit to defeat. He raises his arm again into fire, but Sharpclaw jumps in the path of the blast at the last second, absorbing the blow herself. Shib can't believe Steeljaw killed his own sister, but Steeljaw is beyond caring. He grabs Shib and prepares to end her life and the life of everyone on this planet. But below in the Energon pit, Rodimus' body stirs. The Energon fills him with power and repairs him. Before Steeljaw can strike, Rodimus leaps out of the pit and attacks. Steeljaw still has one last move. He can kill Shib and cause Rodimus one last ounce of pain. But Rodimus is faster and blasts his head off before he can reach Shib. With the last threat ended, Rodimus rips the cannons off of his arms, praying that this is the last time he'll have to kill. When he calms down, he asks Shib if she's okay. They leave the mine together, and Rodimus tells her he got all the townspeople to safety. He'll stick around for a little bit to help the Danoctians move forward, but then it will be time for him to go. We end with Shib giving an epilogue. Rodimus helped the Danoctians into the Industrial Age with their technology and hopefully safely refined the Energon on their planet. He always gave Shib's company a special stockpile so her cars could beat their competition. Rodimus took the remains of Steeljaw's ship to make a rocket to take the last surviving Cybertronians who were defeated in the fight and locked into stasis mode into space. They would drift off and eventually peacefully go offline. Rodimus wished he could bring back the stars the Cybertronians' war had destroyed, but in the end, he did manage to save one, and that was enough. The end. <laughs> so yes, very a very bittersweet ending uh, to the last spot standing. A lot to unpack. I mean, it, it's it, the it's interesting to. See, I mean, it's a little bit sad for me just to see. I mean, you know, this of course this is this is never the end of the Transformers, but it is it is kind of sad to see that you know never having the transformers never break out of their cycle of war and eventually just you know dwindle down to nothing and and that's that's all they could do you know you want to have kind of a hopeful future for our cybertronians but i guess if they could give that future to the rest of the universe i guess that's a you know a last a uh, last bit of positive note there but i really enjoyed this book i, I mean enjoyed the whole series I think uh, this last uh, 
this last issue ended with a bang. You had a lot of action. I mean, I was really surprised by Unstoppamus, the, the combiner at the end. I thought that was a really nice touch. Uh, I thought all the action was really well done. And then uh, the very poignant at the end of the story. Uh, and to see Rodimus, you know, how much all all the constant war had, had uh, you know, had done for for his psyche you know like everything he did all the you know all the kind of he was very brutal and violent throughout this whole series and then at the very end to see you know how much he hated doing that and ripping the the weapons off of his arms because of how much he you know he hated all this violence so uh it was a really uh i think uh you know a lot of uh very subtle messages here in in the story and 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 so really Hats off to Nick Roche and of course EJ Sue's artwork throughout the book was really really well done and uh, was a just a I think a a fitting end to the IDW uh, universe or I mean I, you know it's it's all universe you know it's, as as Nick Roche has said I think before this is a kind of a story that could potentially fit in anywhere but I think it's a nice kind of capper to the um, to the IDW. Uh, license you know we've still got shattered glass but i think shattered glass is pretty much more hasbro's thing that they they really wanted for their uh, you know for their last uh you know their next shattered glass line of toys so i really consider this as kind of the the end point for the idw uh comics uh stuff so yeah fitting end and uh, and good to have nick roche be the one to to put that that period there so uh, Apollo, uh, what were your thoughts uh, on this issue and maybe the series in general too? I really liked this issue. Um, I thought it was a good, had good pacing throughout the whole issue. Like we had, you know, a lot of story happening, but also a lot of action. Um, what really hit home for me, and, and you brought this up, Charles, was like, you know, after Rodimus is powering down and he rips the arm cannons off his arms and he just like, you know, he says, please, please let that be the last time. Like, you can see how just he's over fighting. <laughs> like, he's just completely yeah. over it. And, you know, and he just, you know, just wants to be at peace at this point. And I liked the whole series. I wish that the main line for IDW2 had had this similar pacing and maybe it wouldn't have ended. Like, that's just my hot take. But, um, you know, I think... Um, I think they did a really good job. The artwork was fantastic. And I do like that um, it did end with Nick Roche and um, with the art. Um, so, you know, he was very much involved in IDW1. So, um, yeah, it's very bittersweet, though. You know, they're going to yeah. drift off in the stasis and offline. So um, hopefully in the next Transformers story, we'll get different stories, you know, not just these two factions battling you know constantly mm-hmm. yeah and also i guess i should uh, i mean uh, nick roche and also ej sue ej sue was the first artist on the idw uh back way back in infiltration so you know oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. him yeah. being the, the the last artist on the book here uh, i think is a also a really really good way to end the series yeah good mm-hmm. bookend yeah yep all right dr pants what did you think Oh man, was that a ride? Um, I want to point out that I read like all of it, but the first issue like an hour before we did this, and like, oh man, what a <laughs> ride! Um, 
This was so good. This was like, honestly, and maybe it's just the fact that it's new, but like this four-part series is like, it stands up there with Last Stand of the Wreckers for me. It is such a good story. It is, it, it's self-contained because it doesn't really, it doesn't place itself in any continuity necessarily. And you can take it as like any Transformers continuity and just say, well, it's past the war and everything. And this is just its own thing. Um, it does a really good job of, it does a really good job of not being like showing like not good, not evil. Like it's just, I don't know what to say. Like everything's gray because you want to root for Rodimus, but at the same time, he's just killing all of his other like race. <laughs> and it's like, but you kind of understand why he's doing it. And yet you understand why the Cybertronians are doing their thing. And it's really hard to, oh, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I have trouble expressing this into words, but I do want to say that I like that the whole idea came from that, like Rodimus is tired of the Cybertronians fighting and destroying everything. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but this seems like Nick Roche saying, can we stop having just Autobots versus Decepticons in a war? Can we get other stories? Which is kind of what this was. And I would love to see more of that. And truth be told, maybe that maybe that's also part of why IDW2 didn't work, because it's the same thing. It's always mm-hmm. Autobots versus Decepticons. It's Optimus Prime versus Megatron. At least in IDW1, like in the Phase 2 and Phase 3, we got some new stuff. And, I mean, isn't that where it shined when it wasn't mm-hmm. just Autobots versus Decepticons? So maybe that's what he's trying to say with this, too. I don't know. I'm not Nick Roche. I don't know what he's thinking. He's thinking some amazing <laughs> things, though. I loved, and I didn't realize it until they formed Unstoppimus, but I love that they they hit in combiner pieces from other combiners and, like, just didn't bring it up. Because I, I remember reading one of the issues when you first see Wedge from R.I.D., and I'm like, oh, Wedge is there. That's cool. And, uh, and Luna Club is there. And then when they formed the combiner, I'm thinking... They had five combiner pieces there the whole time. Didn't go together, <laughs> but they had them. Because then you also had Scylla from um, God Neptune, and you had yep. R- Riot Gear and Cyber Warp from RID 2015's Galvatronus. And it's like, all right, you you snuck it in there. Nice, nice little. Uh... <laughs> I didn't even know that the other pieces besides Wedge were combiners. I I didn't even think about that. It was um, Riot Gear in particular. I knew it was from R.I.D. 2015, and I'm like, he looks familiar. I can't think of who he is. And when I looked it up, it's like, oh, he's part of Galvatronus. And then I saw Cyber Warp was the other part, and I'm like, oh, they snuck it in there. But Nick Roche does that. He sneaks that stuff yep. in all the time because they put Gripper in the series. No one knows who Gripper is. <laughs> and uh, I think during the flashback, Rodimus has it's Fangry and then one of the Predators from like G1.5 that came out in Europe. Like that was, I don't even know the name of it. It's just ridiculous. And I love all those other references too. Like he's got the one scene from the invincible show from Omni-Man doing like this. He's got steel jaw doing that to Rodimus. And if anyone doesn't say Rodimus didn't go super Saiyan at the end of this, like (laughs) that's clearly what's going on. And he pulls Mm -hmm. off like, Ryu Shoryuken from Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, Nick Roche is a giant nerd, and I love it. <laughs> but yep. aside from that, like, the series is really, really emotional. It has great pacing. It's so well done. And I felt so many things going through this. 
And that last line of like, you know, he managed one, one star. And then, you know, right after that, we see the covers and you see that cover A with that one star igniting Rodimus. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It was, ah, oh, I, I can't express how much I love this. It's not as good as Beast Wars, <laughs> but it's pretty good. <laughs> also, Nick Roche's art, fantastic. Just love the whole thing. Oh, and EJ Sue, like both of them together, like amazing artwork. Very cool. Yeah, um, I I couldn't I didn't I couldn't place that other Decepticon either. And uh, since we're recording this review before the wiki is up, the wiki page is up, uh, I guess we'll have to wait to to answer that uh, that question. Um, but also um, the Sharp Claw, the character who figures very heavily in the series. Uh, she was a as an original character created by Nick Roche's daughter, uh, oh, and that's cool. yeah, like if you go to um, if you go to like there's a link to uh, the Nick Roche's Twitter if you look it up on the on the TF Wiki I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, but it, it's like uh, it was yeah it was created created by her by by his daughter. And she is a uh, she's a former Decepticon turning good who was friends with um, with Steeljaw. So that's that was her original uh, her, her original description. Like he she was an she's an ex Decepticon who wants to join the Autobots and used to be friends with Steeljaw. So and uh, and he worked that characterization into the story somehow. <laughs> so you know, uh, so very interesting. Um, and and that was created in twenty nineteen. Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, that Decepticon that was a Predator, it's Talon. Ah, okay. That's who that is. Cool. All right, Jeremy, uh, what were your thoughts on this issue? I I also just loved it. Um, from start to finish, the series was great, as everyone's been saying. Uh, this, I mean, I honestly didn't know how they were going to end it. I, I, I figured it would be Rosimus making like the ultimate sacrifice at the end, but I, I like the way they did it here where you thought that he was killed and there would have to be another solution only for him to go super Saiyan because he's Rodimus. <laughs> um, but I, I really like just the, just the end of everything you know how, how many times you get to see an end of the universe type story like um you know i just i think back to um alan moore's whatever happened to the man of tomorrow which is like the the last superman story before they rebooted him in 1986 and it's like you can do so many things because you have no restrictions really it, it's like you see Rodimus here killing off all these characters just kind of indiscriminately, but you also see the pain that knowing that you're, you know, reducing the count of your species significantly, but also they're going to just decimate this planet if given the choice. So, you know, it's like between two bad decisions, what do you do? And obviously he's trying to, to save the species that, you know, he sees has a future. So 
I just I love this whole thing. Um, I do wish this had been the actual last series of IDW. We still have Shattered Glass too to round out everything. But in, in terms of you know normal universe, not reverse universe stuff, I think this is a, a great <laughs> kind of um, you know in, ending piece to it. And this, I mean, I agree, Doctor Pants. Uh, th- this stands up with Last Stand of the Wreckers as you know one of the best series that that they've done and the art was was really great i I love how like rodimus looks particularly at the beginning i don't know who what artist did what but just it seemed like it was kind of like a jack kirby-esque take on on rodimus it with just kind of like the the flat expression and everything but i just i love the art um Seeing the combiner with Wedge in the, the middle, that, that just, you know, brought lots of happiness to my life. The, <laughs> the build team was not the best toys in in R.I.D. 2001, but it was fun on the show. They're not the worst toys, though. No, they're not. But just <laughs> I know what you're saying, though. Combining them was always a little fiddly for me. Yeah. But... I didn't even put together that there was, you know, so many different pieces of combiners here and just kind of putting them all together. But um, this was just a lot of fun all around. And the art, the coloring, everything was just great. And, you know, I I don't know if this is going to have time to have a trade. I don't think so. But I, I would encourage people to pick this up if they can find it. I do. I do want to say one more thing because I want to. I want to piggyback off of Jeremy there. That, um, like this story you were talking about, like whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Like I agree, a lot of those stories like that are really good. And I want to say it's because they're not like they're not like tied to the continuity necessarily. Like right. they can just go have fun. And it makes me think that I think Nick, when Nick Roche does this stuff, honestly, I think he treats it like he's just got a big toy box filled with these figures <laughs> and he's just playing. He's making up his own stories. He's like, I don't care what happens. I'm going to have like Overlord rip this person apart and like blah, blah, blah. And man, he comes up with the best stuff. So can we just ship him more toys and be like, can you just keep writing stuff? Like keep playing, <laughs> yeah. just keep having fun. But yeah, seriously, it's it, it seems better when they're not like stuck making continuity based things and we just get a good story because mm-hmm. this yeah. is just so good. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely like old man, hot rod, old man, Logan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yep. You yeah, know, it's explain interesting. The, the Wolverine cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. But yep. he's not Wolverine. Yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> still a reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because I believe in uh, when we had Regeneration 1, number 100, that also ended with Rodimus Prime being the last bot uh, alive. And he was, you know, he saw the end of that universe as well the marvel g1 marvel comics universe so rodimus is uh he he's he seems to like be be the end capper on a lot of places (laughs) he's a survivor (laughs) yeah 
it's nice to see a lot of a lot of attention given to him in the comics and a lot of really great characterization considering the show it's like he's going to be prime oh nope optimus is back gonna take the matrix back and (laughs) that's it (laughs) yep Justice for Hot Rod. Justice yeah. for Hot Rod. He never got his cloak back, and I'm upset about it, though. Because oh. he rocked that cloak in this in this series in the I beginning. Know, and like, yep. I kind of want to get one and put it on like my Studio Series one. I guarantee next year we're going to have cosplayers doing the Super Saiyan Rodimus. Oh, they cloak. better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also just realized that when he goes Super Saiyan, if you look at like the one panel, it looks kind of like the Rodimus star. Oh yeah. Oh. Like yeah. It, when he first does the punch, like that almost yeah. looks kind of like the Rodimus star from oh, yeah. Lost Light. That does. It totally does. And another I, Easter egg in there. Yeah, and again, I don't know if all these things are intentional or if if I'm just like reading too much into it, but considering everything else he did in this series, it's got to be Nick, if you're listening, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Come on the show and tell us your thoughts. Exactly. Get Nick on the show. Interview him. <laughs> we'll see if we can make it happen. We, he's been on before, so maybe maybe he'll have some time for us. We'll see. Another thing that was really neat, I just noticed, like outside of the story, but I was just flipping through the covers at the back where they tell you mm-hmm. like who did each one. The retailer incentive or not the retail incentive, the, um, wait, was it, um, oh, this is just a page from the book. It, it's like art by EJ Sue, and it has that scene where Rodimus is doing that punch. And then the next one is that same thing, but colored, and it's like colors by Rebecca Nalty. Hmm. That's kind of neat how it's kind of like a, a movie where it's going through the credits. Mm-hmm. I, I've just never seen something like that. That's, something i'd like to see more of where you're highlighting the work that the different people you know the comics have so many different pieces that come together to make the finished pages it'd be it's nice seeing all that called out yeah it's a medium that does not get the attention it deserves yes yeah i agree with that Okay, well, that is our review of Last Spot Standing number four. So, and that will do it for this episode of Transmissions Alt Mode. As always, at the end of every episode of a Transmissions podcast, we give a shout out to our Masterpiece Donatrons. Uh, these are the folks who continue to support Transmissions at our highest level on Patreon, and we really appreciate the support, and that's why we give them a shout out. So thank you once again to John 4X Levengood and Demon Tech 82 for your support. All right, uh, as before we uh, get out of here, I just want to you know give a little uh, you know, we always uh, give a chance to uh, give some uh, plugs and our uh, our awesome co-hosts are here uh want to show off uh, all their all the stuff they have online so apollo uh where can people find you online hi um, well glad to be here tonight as always so um you can find me on twitter and instagram at robo apollo i am working on art i know i've been saying this for a few months but i've been so busy like with moving and now that i'm moved um starting to settle in 
Um, I am working on some artwork, so hopefully I'll be posting that soon. I am also on the Transmissions Discord server, so if you haven't joined that, I highly recommend you do. It's a really cool community of people who are into Transformers, and um, there's a lot of interesting and fun conversations happening on there. So, um, so go and join that community as well, and I'm on there as well. Awesome. Yeah, everyone check it out. We're at transmissionspodcast.com slash discord. That's where you can join the discord. Dr. Pants, what have you got going on? Same old, same old for me. You can find me and my friends doing stuff at nerdstradamus.com or our main outlet is youtube.com slash nerdstradamus. Uh, We do videos. We do streaming. Check it out. It's a lot of just nerdy stuff, gaming, robots, music videos. It's a blast. We stream and whatnot. Uh, you can find us everywhere at Nurshadamas, or you can find me at DrPants1412 on Twitter, on TikTok. I'm probably other places. I don't remember. There's a lot going on. <laughs> but that's where you can find us, and we're having a blast, so come check us out. We like to meet new people and hang out. All right. And, of course, you can find... Jeremy and myself right here at the Transmissions Podcast Network, transmissionspodcast.com. And we're all over the social medias. So just go to our website. You'll find everything there. All right, everyone. Thanks for watching and listening. And I hope you guys are checking us out on YouTube because we are doing live video every episode now. So hope you get a chance to see that. Recorded (laughs) video. We recorded it live. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transmissions. If you'd like to join the conversation, travel to our Discord channel at transmissionspodcast.com slash Discord. Want some cool transmission swag? Feast your eyes on our transmissions gear at transmissionspodcast.com slash shop. If you'd like to support our podcast, go to transmissionspodcast.com slash support or tell your friends about our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.